If you've got one of these little handouts, you find that helpful. It's got the passage that we'll look at. It's got a few kind of uh, dot points on the right-hand side that I'm going to try and follow. One of the um, exciting things about reading through the letters in the New Testament uh, is when you get to the end, you get these greetings, uh, probably none more so than chapter 16 of the book of Romans. But we'll see it at the end of Philippians. We see it at the end of the other letters as well. And it's helpful to us, I think, to see that Christians uh, didn't believe that they could be an island. They recognized that they needed each other. And, of course, Paul is in prison in Rome, and he knows that he needs the Philippians, and they're helping him out, and he's helping them out. And you see that at play in this chapter. And it was great for us to hear from Bruce and Sue Ellen uh, from Coffs Harbour about how things were going. In Anchor Church, uh, Bruce just whispered to me, uh, as we sat down that uh, Mike and Sandy Cole send their greetings as well and uh, Bruce and Swellen, please convey back our greetings uh, to you guys at Anchor. Um, it's encouraging to us to see that the gospel is at work in places uh, all around this country, all around this world and one of the closest fellowships that we have is with Anchor. Um, you guys and some of your friends have helped us with camps. Uh, I've been up there to preach and there's been opportunities for uh, people to help out with children's ministry and other things and we enjoy that and look forward to more fellowship. So please convey our greetings as well. Um, we're going to have a look at this now uh, but before we do let's pray and ask God to help us. Heavenly Father we ask that as we open up Philippians 2 that you'll speak to each one of us and that you'll encourage us to think about how we live, who we influence, and what that looks like. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that you've probably heard, uh, you sometimes hear it on TV, when uh, someone gets into trouble, someone who's famous, uh, let's just, for example, say a rugby league player, um, gets himself into trouble, they often say things like, well, I didn't want to be a role model. And you think, well, bad luck. You're being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars and that's just who you are. Or maybe a rock star or some famous actor gets himself into a spot of bother and they plead the fact that they are in the business for the work that they enjoy doing, but they don't want to see themselves as role models. Again, bad luck. They do want to be role models because that's where they get their income from. They just don't want to be seen as role models when they get out of step with the media. The truth is, however, whether we want to be seen as role models or not, we are. Every single one of us is a role model. You think about those of you who are parents, uh, what you do and what you say, what you don't do and you don't say, gets taken on and thought about and copied and reproduced in the lives of your children. It's just the way that it works. From children to grandchildren to great-grandchildren, you see through family trees particular traits, particular uh, accents, particular passions and priorities, they get passed on. We're influenced by people around about us. I, I wonder who are your most significant role models? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about the people throughout your life who have had an influence on you? And how did they influence you? Was it for the good? Was it not for the good? Um, do you find that there are things that you've just 
taken on board from the people that you've been with that you've not really noticed that you've made your own. I guess if we were just to have uh, small groups now and, and sit around, we could all share different role models, people that have influenced us and maybe people who've had a significant influence on us in our lives as we've thought about spiritual matters, as we've come to know about Jesus, as we relate to God, as we work out what it is for many of us to be Christian, are there people that have had a significant influence upon us? Um, last weekend, I celebrated a birthday. I turned 50-10. I'm going to stay 50s from now on. It'll be 50-11 next year. And uh, one, one of the things that my wife did was kind of put on this little slideshow of this is your life. And as I looked through that, I could see so many of my role models. Role models that were my parents, perhaps grandparents, uh, pastors that I've had, different leaders in Christian ministry, people that I've got to know in the community, people who've been friends and influenced me. You'll have people like that as well. What are the influences that have shaped who you are. And it'd be great to share some of those things. Maybe uh, those of you in salt groups could talk about some of the key role models that you've had in your lives. And, and one of the things that is most significant, I think, when it comes to role models, is not just what people do or say, but the attitude that drives that. So often, it's the attitude of a person that you'll remember. One of my favorite teachers, uh, in school was Mr. Ashdown, who was my fourth class teacher. Um, I remember a lot about my third class teacher, Mrs. Gillies. She didn't want me in the class very often. I remember a fair bit about my fifth class teacher, whose name I've forgotten, because they didn't want me in their class much either. But Mr. Ashdown kind of accepted me and invested in me and helped me to work and to understand and to play and to embrace music and, and a whole range of things. And I can remember the attitude of Mr. Ashdown. Well, what sorts of role models will we be? See, this is a passage in Philippians chapter 2 that introduces us to how we are to live together once we know Jesus. Once we know Jesus, it is to shape the way that we treat each other. Uh, just to give you a quick kind of journey through Philippians chapter 2, the first four verses, he says, since you're Christian and these things you have as Christians, then let them shape the way that you treat each other. Don't complain, don't grumble, don't uh, put yourselves above others, but live in humility. Then he gives us a case study a role model. He gives us Jesus. What we saw last week is that God is working this out in our lives. Um, he gives us the power to persevere as Christians. He gives us the attitude to live out this humility in relationship with others. And then what we're going to see when we look at verses 19 through to 30 are two more case studies in particular. Um, have a look with me then, first of all, at Timothy and then Epaphroditus. So in verse uh, 19 through to 24, he tells us a bit about Timothy. Now, Timothy is one of his co-workers. Uh, if you flick quickly back to the beginning of the letter, you'll see that 
he's writing this from Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. From then on, it's basically just Paul speaking. But Timothy is a very significant companion in the work of gospel ministry with Paul. And he's so significant in relationship with Paul that he's able to say in verse 20 that I have no one else like him who will show a genuine concern for your welfare. Timothy stands out. Now, it's, it's most likely that Paul's in Rome uh, and uh, in prison in Rome and, and therefore he may be comparing Timothy with the Christians in the church in Rome and how Timothy is especially committed to him and to his welfare and to them. But Timothy is a case study of what it is to put the attitude of Jesus um, into your life and live it out. He's got a genuine concern for their welfare. He's not concerned about himself. Um, He's a, a co-worker who's proved himself as a son with his father. He's worked with Paul in the work of the gospel. And Paul is concerned to be able to send Timothy back to them, uh, knowing that Timothy will be committed to them, will serve them, will, will give of himself to these people. And then in verse 25, he gives another case study. And it's quite helpful to think about this one. Let's just read over this again. His name is Epaphroditus. He says, I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, um, my brother, my co-worker, my fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. Now, we don't know a lot about Epaphroditus, but if you read on in Philippians to chapter 4, Uh, and verse 18 we read this Paul says I've received full payment and have more than enough I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent they are a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God so Epaphroditus it seems has come from the Christians the church in Philippi bringing gifts that are helpful to Paul Um, that much we know Uh, the circumstances of Paul's imprisonment probably weren't that flash he had particular needs he's spoken of those needs and the Philippian church have sent Epaphroditus with gifts to help out Paul but Paul's attitude to Epaphroditus is that he has become his brother his co-worker and his fellow soldier So Paul is embracing Epaphroditus as one with him who's on about this gospel ministry. But we see Epaphroditus has been through a hard time. Um, He has got ill. We don't know exactly what's happened to him. But when people get ill, uh, they get distressed. Uh, I know a lot about that, having spent a lot of my life being ill. And I tend to get distressed sometimes when I'm particularly ill. And my worry is that people might know that I'm uh, distressed and might know that I'm ill. But that's not the way Epaphroditus thinks. He is concerned for the Philippians because they might be distressed when they hear that he is ill. And um, Epaphroditus, you see, is not focused on himself, but 
like Timothy, like Jesus, he's committed to them. He says in verse 27, Indeed, he was ill and he almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give me. You see, when you, when you look at Timothy and you look at Epaphroditus, you see people who are living out what Paul is calling them to live out. Back in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. See, I think what, what Paul's doing in this letter is he's saying, this is the way that you are to live if you're Christian. Why should you live this way if you're Christian? Well, because you're called to have the mindset of Jesus. And God will help you to do that as you live out your salvation. God will enable you to will and to act this way. And what's more, if you want to see what it looks like, have a look at Timothy, my brother. See how genuinely committed he is to your welfare? And if you think all these people so far are too kind of uh, high above you, look at your own brother, Epaphroditus, the one that you sent to look after me. I'm now sending him back to you. Paul is giving them a model of what it is to serve others. He's giving them a number of models, role models that I take it they are to follow. So we have Timothy, we have Epaphroditus, um, we have Paul when you think about it as well, because Paul is alone in prison, but instead of hanging on to Timothy and hanging on to Epaphroditus, he wants to send them back for the welfare of the Philippians. So even though Paul doesn't make something of this, we see that that's what's going on in the letter. He's sending them back, but he's sending them back for their sake not for his. I imagine deep down he knows that it would be a great blessing to him to have these brothers stay with him. But he's more concerned for their welfare. So we have Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus. We have, of course, the model of Jesus himself, which I think when you put all this together, it raises for you and I, what kind of model will we be? Will we be like this chapter in the way that we live? Will we have a genuine concern for others' welfare? Will we not look only to our own interests, but also to the interests of those around about us? Will we not put ourselves first but in the light of what Jesus has done, be concerned that people come to know the love of God and so put them before ourselves in the decisions, the priorities and, and the choices that we make. That's the call. That's the encouragement. Um, you see, as Paul writes this, he's not just giving them information. He's wanting to see transformation. 
And if you want a further example of this, remember back in 2.5, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the mindset that you see in Christ Jesus. If you read on into chapters 3 and 4, and without wanting to um, kind of steal the thunder of what's happening in these chapters, you, you notice he, he keeps giving um, examples and calling people to follow. So in chapter 3, verse 17... He says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So he's got himself as a model and those who live like him as models. And he's saying to the Philippians, you live that way too. And then again in, in chapter 4, we see another encouragement in verse 9. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is unashamed to say, I'm following Jesus in looking to put others first so that they might be saved by Jesus and I want you to follow me in doing that. I want you to look around about and consider others' welfare more important than your own. What kind of models will we be? I actually find that Salt Church is a great encouragement to me. I, I think we are blessed by many models that are like Epaphroditus, like Timothy, like Paul, following in the footsteps of Jesus. When I think back over the years of those who've had an influence upon me, I'm encouraged by the way that they serve. To be reminded that uh, Luke and Dania uh, are heading over to, uh, to Taiwan with a view to move into a place, to a people group that haven't heard about Jesus. It'd be much more comfortable to stay at home, I'd imagine. But it is of greater need that people hear of Christ in another place. Those who've come and helped us on camps like Bruce and Sue Ellen and Mike and Sandy and Rich and Judy probably would have been easier to do other things on the weekend. But to have them come and serve us and free us up from things so that we can focus on our relationships together and getting into God's word together and there can be a, a, a great meal that we have each time we gather and the children are, are well organized and well led. It's a great encouragement. I remember hearing from a, a friend um, who lives on the south coast of uh, New South Wales, uh, back in your territory, Nathan. Um, a guy who, when he retired from the Department of Agriculture, was invited, like so many before him, to say what he was going to be doing in his retirement. And many who had uh, retired from that department had said that, you know, they were going to try and bring their golf handicap down to, sec to single figures, perhaps, or they were planning to travel here, or they had a plan to embark on this new course or do something. But this fellow, whose name was Dick said that what he wanted to do was help people prepare for eternity. So his retirement had an eternal focus that was concerned for their welfare. And he became known as someone that you could talk to. He used to make ginger beer and just 
give it out to people all around the place as he dropped in to see how they were going. He, in his love for Christ, let it work itself out into the way that he cared for his community. Great model. I remember meeting uh, a fellow at the Australian Institute of Sport when I was in ministry in Canberra. Um, who'd retired from being the pastor of a church to be able to work full-time as a chaplain amongst athletes. But there was no pay for doing that. And so, at the age of 60-something, he would get up at 3 a.m. every morning to collect papers and deliver them so that he could pay the bills and then head across to the Institute of Sport to share Christ and to encourage people there. Incredible model of humble service many people would think oh there'd be so many perks working with professional athletes but he was very determined to take none of them no tickets no clothing no trips no he just wanted to be one who served Fiona and I when we were uh, at Bible college went to a little church in the inner city of Sydney uh, it was known as West Kingston Uniting Church at the time. It's now Camperdown Stanmore Community Church. Um, the average age of people seemed ancient when we were there um, in our 20s. And some of those people are still alive. And we're in our 5010s now. And um, we still get a call once a quarter from a lady called Joy, who's 97 now, to ask what she can be praying for, for us and for Salt Church. That's the kind of humility and service of others that I'm deeply inspired by and pray that we might be able to show in our lives towards others. There was a guy in the last church that I was involved in who was incredibly shy. He struggled with depression sometimes so debilitating that he couldn't relate to anyone and didn't want to leave his home. But he made a point of not being on any roster at the church. He wouldn't be on the set-up and the pack-up roster because he wanted to do it without being on a roster and he did it every week. And when you saw this guy... He'd be dripping with sweat because he'd pick up the heavy stuff and do the hard work so that whoever might have been on the roster would just be able to do the work around that. It didn't come easily to him. I take it it was a, a sacrificial step out of his comfort zone for the purpose of serving. I was encouraged also by another fellow in that church um, who realised that he made a lot more money than he needed to live on. And so he negotiated with his employer to work one day less per week. And in that day, he would work in teaching scripture, in running kids' clubs, and in following up people at church. But then he realised that he could live on a lot less than four days a week and cut it back to three and then to two and then to one 
when his wife started to earn an income as well. You see, there's all kinds of models out there, all kinds of role models that can influence us and shape us and encourage us. I'm very humbled um, quite regularly by a fellow who contacts me and asks what he can be praying for me. I'm humbled because he takes the initiative to call me more often than I take the initiative to call him. He's been bedridden for 22 years with chronic fatigue and yet he continues to pray and to reach out to people that he can pray for. That is service. What do people think of when they think of salt? Do they think of those who serve, those who give, those who are committed not to themselves, but to those around about them? I hope they do. As I look around, I'm encouraged as I look at you and the people who tirelessly, consistently, faithfully, regularly, committedly, sacrificially put others before yourselves. And I'm encouraged by that because what I'm seeing is Jesus at work. May we continue to be the model that we see in Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please work within us to show Christ to those around us. Help us not to be full of hubris or pride, but to be people who are willing to do servant tasks, willing to give of ourselves for the sake of others. May we be generous with our time, with our money, with our gifts, with our relationships. May we be genuinely concerned for each other's welfare and help us to love and to serve our community, to be concerned for those around about us in need, those who are going without, those who are struggling in different ways, whether it be loneliness or sickness or other problems. And deep down, we, we pray most of all that you'll fill us with, with such gratitude for your love for us in Christ that will overflow in the service of others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.